Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much for being with us here today, whether you're with us in our online campus, on Facebook, on YouTube, or listening through a podcast, however you're accessing this message today. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, we are continuing in this series called uh, Galatians, which is kind of where we we uh, take a, a moment and pause on the topical series that we typically do. And, and what that means is we're actually going through an entire book of the Bible and we're going chapter by chapter. And the book of Galatians is a six chapter uh, book. It's actually a letter. Uh, so just some background information on it. It's a letter that Paul the apostle wrote. Now that word apostle means that he was a special messenger. He was a church planter, not a pastor. And Paul would go to different cities and he would establish churches in those areas with new believers. And he would, he would stay long enough to raise up new leadership. And then he would trust them, uh, and to be in charge of that local church. And he would move on to another city and he'd plant another church and he would tell the good news about Jesus. And, uh, and, and he'd keep doing that over and over again. And, what happened along the way is that messengers would come to Paul and they would tell Paul, give him a report in person about what was going on at those churches, uh, good and bad. Uh, or sometimes they would write letters and uh, Paul would then in kind respond with letters to those churches. And there's there's bunches of them uh, in the in the New Testament, which is the last half of your Bible. And, uh, and Paul would write them either to the churches specifically there, uh, which is where you get like, you know, Galatians. It was the church at Galatia to the church at Philippi, which is Philippians and Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. Uh, and, and so it was written to churches. But if it was ever, if you ever see the title of the letters, uh, like Timothy, those were written to church leaders or pastors of those communities. And so Galatians is, of course, a letter that was written to the church at Galatia. And, Essentially, the letter is being written from Paul. He's a little frustrated because Paul preached the good news or what we know as the gospel. He preached the news that Jesus had come, that grace was now available to us, that forgiveness of sins was given to us and so much more through placing our trust in Christ. Well, when Paul left the church at Galatia, there were some Jewish Christians who came in behind him and they essentially began to teach the necessity of the Jewish law because Jesus was Jewish himself and came through the Jewish people. They now took the old traditions and the Jewish law and said, if you want to follow Jesus, you also have to do this. And so they started adding a burden to them. And one of the most specific laws that they wanted them to follow was the law of circumcision. Now, most Jews, all Jews rather, were circumcised at the age of eight days old. And so they didn't remember that. But but everybody else, if you were an adult and needed to be circumcised, well, that membership class empties pretty quick of the men. Okay. The grown men who are like, nope, not going to do that in order to be a Christ follower. So week one, the very first chapter, Paul starts off this letter by rebuking the Galatians and saying, hey, listen, there is an identity issue. The gospel has an identity issue. There is good news and there is fake news that we don't need these rules to in order to have a relationship with God through Christ, that, that none of that is necessary, that there's nothing we have to do first in order to receive 
the gift of salvation through Jesus. And so he, he starts off his letter that way saying, who, who duped you? Why in the world would you pick up this stuff and add to what I already taught you? And so he makes the gospel very, very clear to them. And then in chapter two, he talks about how, how we have this tendency to vacillate, to, to go back and forth between living a life of freedom that Christ came to give us versus living a life of religion, which is, has a hyper-focus on what we do. In chapter three, Paul says, listen, all of this comes to us by grace. And so he breaks down and explains to us the free gift that we can't earn, where we, we, we receive what we could not earn on our own, something, something we don't deserve, right? That's what grace is, and that salvation is a grace gift, and that's how we're saved. It's through grace by faith or placing our trust in Christ alone. Uh, and then in week four, or rather chapter four, Paul says, listen, all of this is so important that, that you understand how to stop swinging back and forth between freedom and religion, how to, how to accept and experience the grace of God. But he said, all of this, the grace that it was here for, it wasn't so that we could become religious. It was so that we could, and he explains in chapter four, so that we can have a relationship with God. And he says, there's two kinds of relationships that we tend to have. And it's, it's the relationship of, of a slave that we look at our relationship with God and we approach him out of fear and trembling. And there's okay to have like a reverential fear of God, to have this awe and wonder because he is a consuming fire according to Corinthians. And absolutely God is all powerful and we should show him reverence, but we shouldn't be afraid of him, like fearing for our lives. And in fact, if you fear for your life, that would indicate what kind of relationship you have with God. And he says, that's a slave kind of approach to God, but God wants us to approach him through the, through the relationship of sonship. And, and, and he wants us to see him as a heavenly father. So if you've missed these last four weeks and these last four chapters of Galatians, I would encourage you to go back, listen to those messages and, uh, and tune into them. Today, we're going to talk about what all of that provides, that what, what accepting the grace gift of Christ provides us, what living in relationship with God actually looks like. Because today we're going to talk about living with the Spirit. That's what chapter 5 is all about. It's, it's about being empowered by God's Spirit because He dwells inside of us. and All of us need that. Because I know that at any given time uh, in our lives, all of us at some point in time have felt lost where we didn't know what we needed to do next. We didn't know how to go about what we needed to do. We felt disquieted and hurt within because of the experiences of life, because of what somebody said, because of what we're going through, because of a lack of insert your cause. We feel that pain. Or some of us even, even relate to lacking the strength to do what God has called us to do. Each of us, would say that we need what the Spirit provides. And the Spirit comes along and what He provides, the Bible tells us that He provides direction, He provides counsel, He provides wisdom, comfort for, for those times when we're experiencing pain, and power, power and desire to do what God has called us to do. And in Galatians 5, what Paul does is he helps us understand that there is this spirit-led life, that there is this living with the spirit that we can learn to lean into. So, so we understand like, hey, this Christian life, we don't have to do it alone. This relationship with God, we're not expected to understand all the ins and outs. That's why he gave us his spirit 
to dwell within us. And Paul's like, hey, if you want to tap into all God has for you, you need to learn to live with the Spirit. So let's jump into Galatians 5. I've got a lot of scripture today. I promise to pause in between uh, a lot of it to break it down for you as we're going through, especially for those of you who are here with us for the first time in this series. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. Here we go. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's what Jesus came for, right? He doesn't want you to experience the bondage of religion. He doesn't want you to to live under the bondage of the law, which requires us the, the penalty of eternal separation from God because of our sins. No, Jesus wants us free. So Paul encourages them and says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, which is exactly what he's speaking to the Galatians about because they had picked up some rules and some religion in order to get to God. They had picked up some extra stuff that was just not needed. And, And I like reading it this way. I like that Paul's encouraging them to stand firm and don't let yourselves be burdened again, because that lets me know that it's a choice. That, that I have a choice whether to pick up religion, whether to pick up rules, and whether to pick up all the stuff that, that I believe, wrongly by the way, that will help me get to God and, and ultimately become a slave to those things. I have a choice and you have a choice too. We don't have to do that. But if we choose, if we choose religion, if we choose all the, the lists of to do, then we become a slave to those things. And then what happens is if we choose that, we've got to do everything right that the, that the law requires, that the to-do list requires, not just today, not just in this moment, but all the time. And that to me sounds like death. That to me sounds like pain. There is no peace. There is no joy. There is nothing in that that speaks to freedom. And here's the truth is God doesn't expect any of that from us. He doesn't expect us to live right all the time. He knows that we are not capable of it. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that we have a past to do evil and that the past to go out and just do whatever we want to because, hey, God doesn't expect me to, to get this right all the time and there's grace and it abounds and, and I just, whoa, just get to have a good time. That, that's, that's not what that means. But it means when, not if we miss the mark, when we miss the mark. When we sin, when we make a mistake, when we violate God's law, when we don't do what his best is for us, then there's grace and there's forgiveness for us. And that life, well, that life is better. So Paul's saying, don't let yourself be a slave. It's a choice. He goes on and says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, which is the the law that the, the Jewish Christians were trying to get them to abide by, Christ will be of no value to you at all. In other words, you might as well abandon him because you're just trying to obey the law. He said, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Now, that's the main issue of this letter. Like I said before, it was circumcision. They, they were trying to earn their salvation by honoring the law. And what you need to know about Jewish law is there are over 600 laws for them to honor, for them to know and to, to honor all of the time. And it was simply impossible for them to do it. And Paul's saying, if you choose to do the law, then you got to honor the law at all time. And what this led to was constant failure. It led to constant shame. And ultimately, it led to a death that was an eternal death in separation as we chose to pay for our sins ourselves in hell. 
Because that's what hell exists for. You don't have to go to hell. Hell is for those people who insist on paying for them, their sins themselves. But the thing is, we don't have to do that. We can accept what Jesus did for us and we can experience that life. Because see, Jesus isn't in all this rule obeying. Jesus isn't in obeying the law. What Jesus provides is grace. He provides peace. He provides rest. So you see, you can't do both. You, you, you can't try to live underneath the letter of the law and experience grace and, and the peace that comes with all that. We have to put our faith, which is our trust in one or the other. And friends, there is one that is better. He continues on. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. So if you're trying to do this, you've separated yourself from what Jesus offers. He said, you've fallen away from grace for through the spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness or the, the right way of living for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, trying to follow the law, has any value. He's saying it just doesn't matter. Now, Paul himself was circumcised, but that didn't matter when it came to salvation, to the good news that grace was available to us, that God wanted to be in relationship with us, to have this life with Christ, circumcision and obeying the law, the the Jewish law, it, it just didn't matter. Paul goes on to say, the only thing that counts is faith, putting your trust in Jesus, expressing itself through love. He says, you were running a good race. In other words, he's like, when I left you, you guys were good. You guys were following Christ. You were experiencing grace. You had freedom in him. He goes on to say, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? He's like, who, why would you let somebody do that? Why would you let somebody convince you that the gospel message, this message of freedom that I preached to you actually wasn't true, that there was some bondage that was going to come along with it. He said, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So much as to say that, that if you put a little bit of yeast into uh, bread dough, that, that it, it works its way just a little bit. And he's like, if you let this little bit in now, if you just do this one thing, this circumcision, then you might as well, you need to go ahead and abandon the freedom of Christ and you need to go ahead and do what the law says. Now we'll jump down to verse 13. And he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And I'm thankful that's God's call on my life. That's God's call on your life is to be free. He said, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, to do what you want, the, the passions, the things that are within you that are raging, that you know would not honor God, would not honor yourself, would not honor your marriage, would not honor God's best for you. He says, don't, we don't have freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. He's like, so if you want to fulfill the law, here's how you do it. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's today's topic. We're going to learn how do we walk by the spirit? What does that even look like? And how do we effectively do it? For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. In other words, what, what was, what is born into you? Your sin nature wants the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. 
And that's, that's what I want for you. If you'd say, this, this is what PA wants for you guys, right? I want you led by the Spirit. Because if you are led by the, the, the Spirit, what I know you'll experience is the full and fulfilled life that Jesus came and died and rose from the dead for us to have. If you're led by the flesh, that's a whole different story. Look at what Paul said the, that living by the flesh looks like. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, which is any sexual act outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. He says, impurity and debauchery, which is uh, sexual deviancy and, and being uh, promiscuous and, and, and pursuing all, all different forms and types of sexuality. He says, idolatry. And witchcraft, now he, he switches to, uh, these are our spiritual sins, right? And, and idolatry and witchcraft, when you hear those words, you go, well, that doesn't seem very obvious to me. The scripture seems a little bit out of touch with my present world, but, but let me explain it to you. Actually, idolatry and witchcraft is a very prevalent issue today. Idolatry ultimately is anything that you have a tendency to put at the center of your life. In other words, it's, it's what you are willing to rearrange your entire life uh, 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 rearrange your entire life to revolve around that one thing. Um, for some of us, it's our kids. Some of it's, it's our job. Uh, it can be money. It can be, uh, it, it can be a football team. OH. It, it can be a lot of different things. Idols will emerge in our life. And it's those things that we make more important than our relationship with God and what he is calling us to do. Our whole life revolves around it. That's idolatry. Witchcraft. Witchcraft essentially is, is not necessarily you casting spells, but ultimately what witchcraft is about was when they do cast spells, it's about controlling or manipulating someone else or some kind of circumstance or environment. So, so witchcraft today doesn't have to be about casting spells. It can be about every effort you and I make to control or manipulate someone else, the outcome of, of, um, of a circumstance or, or the like. So, so witchcraft is when we, we simply are not choosing to trust God, but we're taking matters in our own hands. He continues describing the acts of the flesh and says, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me be clear here and pass to you for just a moment. People read that statement and that which is repeated in other places in the New Testament that, that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that if you do these things that are on the list of the, the works of the flesh that you don't get to go to heaven. That's, that's not what it means. That is fake news. That is the law speaking, okay? Because I, I mean, when you look at that list, I don't know if you saw yourself in it. I know that I absolutely saw some of my struggles in that list uh, as well. But this statement uh, that you will not inherit the kingdom of God is not about heaven, your eternity in heaven. What it is, is about is about inheriting God's best for your life here in this earth and in the life that is to come. See, the kingdom of God is about doing uh, things God's way. If he's the king, then his way goes, right? And my friends, his ways are best. That list will keep you from experiencing God's best in your life. Paul struggled with those things. I struggle with those things and you struggle with those things. So our eternity is not in question here because many of us have done those things on those lists. That there is grace, there is forgiveness for those things. But if we continue 
in those things. We're going to miss God's best for our life. And he, he can't bless a life that is pursuing those things. And he, it's not that he can't. I'll say this. It's that he won't. Paul said in his letter to Romans, in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. Or I don't want to do what is wrong, but, but I do that. I don't know if you can relate to that. Like, I know that I can. There's stuff that you want to do that's good, and it sounds really great, and you're like, yes, I want to do that, and then you just don't wind up doing it. Or there's stuff that, that you know is wrong, and you've sworn off of it a thousand times. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to call them. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And yet you do it anyway. We all struggle this way. Paul is speaking to his personal journey and and the difficulty that he needs and the tension that he feels within himself. And this tension, this struggle, this is why we need the Holy Spirit because we don't have to lose this struggle. The tension is always going to be there. We're always going to be tempted to do things according to our flesh. But there is hope for us if we learn to live a life According to the spirit, we can win those struggles. I know that, that, uh, that if I was to have a conversation with any of you, have a cup of coffee, and we were talking about these things, I know that there's no way any of you would ever express, well, Aaron, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never felt that tension before. I know that you have. I know that you know the difference between right and wrong, the good that you want to do, you don't do, and the bad that you don't want to do, that you do. I know that you know it. I know you feel that tension. And, and the, 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 there's a long list of these kind of tensions between the flesh and the spirit. But I want to give you a few that, 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 is a, that we all struggle with, for specifically uh, within our spiritual walks. And that is first is, is the difference between bondage and freedom. You know, the flesh wants to produce bondage in your life. The, all the things that it desires will do just that. But Jesus came for us to experience freedom. But the flesh wants us, wants us to work for that freedom. It wants us to pay for that freedom, to earn that freedom. But that's not what Jesus came to do. That, that the work of the flesh will only lead you to more bondage, except what Jesus gave us and you'll experience freedom. Another work of the flesh is doubt. You know, doubt comes from your flesh. It refuses to engage in faith. And instead, what it wants you to do is rely on your own strength. It wants you to rely on what you can see uh, in the world around you, what you can logically understand and what you ultimately have control over. That's what doubt does. And that is a work of the flesh, but a work of the spirit living by the spirit will produce faith inside of you. See, faith calls for you to trust in what you can't see, to trust in what you can't understand. In fact, the the Bible says that God's ways, that God will use foolishness to confound the wisdom of the world. Like like everyone around you will see what God is leading you to do and say, that that just sounds silly. That doesn't sound right. That that, That doesn't fit with our worldly culture and it sounds foolish to them. But that's what faith will call us to do is to lean into that which we don't understand. And to give up control through surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. Another, another product of the, the flesh is religion. And it's this tension of religion versus relationship. You know, religion offers us a path to get to God. It's about our goodness. It's about our works. And it's about what we can do. It's through rites and rituals. It, it's our best effort to get to God. And that's what the flesh wants to do. It wants us to do everything that we can so that we feel good about ourselves. 
But the Bible tells us in Isaiah 64 that, that our righteousness or our best to offer God compared to God's best is like filthy rags. The flesh wants us to do this, to do that, to, to, so that we'll be good enough eventually to, to get to God or to become like God. It focuses on your actions, not on who you know. But the Spirit, the Spirit of God produces a relationship within you. Last week we talked about it, that by the Spirit we are adopted and we become sons of God. It's really important that you listen to that message. Relationship is all about who you know, not how you act. And God's greatest desire for you is for you to know him. He wants you to know who he is. He wants you to know him intimately the way that he knows you. In fact, I would say that he gave his all and he gave his best. He gave his son, Jesus, so that he could get to, so that you could get to know him. Another work of the flesh that, that it produces in your life is legalism. It's very easy to get legalistic about how we approach our relationship with God, where, where if we don't get it right, we don't deserve his grace. If we haven't done it exactly, we experience and feel shame. And that tries to come on us. And when shame tries to come on us, it, it tries to make us exit our relationship with God. Uh, it says, well, that because of what I've done, the bad thing of what I've done, this is what shame is. The bad thing I've done is makes me a bad person. And therefore I can't be in relationship with God. The flesh, the works of the flesh produces legalism, but the spirit, well, the spirit operates in grace and wants us to live in the grace of God. And that grace of God is this unconditional forgiveness that no matter what we've done, God's love is greater, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. The spirit wants us walking in grace and giving grace to others. These tensions pull us. But God's spirit is available to us so that we can experience that which is better. So if you're here today and you're like, yeah, Aaron, I, I want better. I want to live my life by the spirit of God. Well, the good news is there is a better life that is available to us when we live by the spirit. So back to our verses so that we can see how we do it. That Paul in Galatians 5.22 is going to describe what the fruit of the spirit is. And the, what it means by the fruit of the spirit is, is the work of the spirit. What like, like a tree grows and then it produces fruit, right? It's, it's what we, we're going to taste. It's what others see. It's what hangs on the tree. It's the product of the work of the tree. And so the fruit of the spirit is the product or the, of the work of the spirit within us. And so Paul says, we're living by the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is... So this is in contrast to, to the works of the flesh that he just described. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or uh, the other translation says patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. There's no limit to that. He said, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, which we talked about a few weeks ago, what exactly that looks like. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So if we live by the Spirit, the first thing that I, I believe that Scripture tells us requires from us is it requires for us to see. So you can't go where you can't see. So if you're supposed to follow the spirit, you got to know where the spirit is going. You got to be able to see where he is leading us. And it is possible, I guess, if you want to, to, to not see, to, to be blind, you'll stumble in the dark. 
And, and I do that all the time. I'm a 42 year old man. I get up three times a night to go to the restroom and my wife refuses to let me have a, have a nightlight. And so I, I stumble through the bedroom and I step on dog's tails sometimes or trip over a shoe that was left in the middle of the floor. And, or sometimes the door is open and I find the door frame with my forehead. It's a lovely experience. And, and I guess if, if that's what you want to do, if you want to fumble your way through life, you can absolutely do that. But living by the spirit requires you to see. Because see, there's darkness in this world that we face and we need to be able to see when you get the bad report from the doctor about what's going on in your body. They tell you you've got maybe only a certain time to live or something's inoperable and they don't know. They don't know what it means yet. and They need to run more tests and it sounds ominous to you. You're going to need some light to be able to see or when there's some difficulty in your marriage and they're telling you that that. The pain is too great. What, what you've done hurt them so bad. They don't know how they could ever love you again. You're going to need to be able to see in the midst of that darkness, sir. Maybe you go to pay the bills and find that yet again, there's just not enough left. You're going to need some light. Maybe you're just struggling mentally with the condition of your world and maybe you just feel stuck. We need to be able to see in these dark moments. And the Holy Spirit well, he offers us light. You say, how, Aaron, how? Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, your word, this is David speaking to God, saying your word, what you're saying to me, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. We have God's word. It's called the Bible. And God is speaking to us. He, he has a light for us. He has something for us, a word for us in every dark situation. But the challenge is we want to know the outcome of everything. We don't want to just see right here, right now. We want to know, hey, God, what are you going to do in this situation? If I trust you now with my marriage, is that going to bring them back to me? Is that what's going to heal, heal our relationship? If I trust you with my health, are you going to heal my body? Is it going to make a difference? If I trust you with my finances, is that going to be the thing that makes a difference? You're never going to get to know that. What you can do is in the middle of your darkness, seek his light, seek what he's saying in his word. And the Bible says his word will be a lamp for your feet. I don't know if you've ever gone camping or not. I used to go camping a lot when I was a kid. We, really, it was glamping. It's basically where we took everything in our house and we put it out in the middle of a field uh, with generators and propane tanks to cook things on. And, you know, like we, we were glamping. It's glamorous camping, basically. But we, but I did have a lamp. And uh, and we would go out and we would walk around at night and tell ghost stories and stuff. But, but if you've ever used a lamp, a lamp is not good for lighting the way way down the road. The lamp is good for lighting maybe your next two steps. You can see the ground right in front of you so that you can take your next step. So your immediate path will be lit up and each step becomes a step of trust. That, that hey man, this path is going to take me where I want to go. And that's what it's like living by the Spirit. We have to see what God has to say about that dark situation in our life and let it illuminate our next steps. And, and those are, again, all just steps of trust. You know, a few years ago, I had some friends uh, of mine that were coming to our church and, and they still do. And, and they were trying to get pregnant and um, they kept trying to do it naturally. And, and that was ineffective. There, were, there was some kind of challenges between them within their bodies that they, they just couldn't do it naturally. And, and that was a frustrating and painful 
process for them. And so they, they turned to doctors and they, they went through multiple different processes and, and they continued to, to still have miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And it got so painful for them. It got so painful and so dark. They didn't even want to come to church. They, they were really struggling. They came, but they, but they, they admitted like, this is really hard for me to be here because I have some next steps to take. I can try again, but I'm ready to give up because this is so painful to go in, to pray and ask God for this, to ask God for a child, which they desperately long for. And to continue to have miscarriages, their hearts were broken. They were ready to be done. And I remember I didn't have any wise words for him and any counsel outside of choose to trust God in this moment because he's good. He's for you. And I encouraged them and prayed with them to keep taking steps, to walk it out and to try again. Today they have a beautiful baby boy, but it just took some light so that they could see to trust God and take the next step. My friends, God's word has an answer for every situation. We just need to be able to see so that we can live by the Spirit. Second thing we need to do if we're going to live by the Spirit is it requires you to listen. God's word requires us to listen to it. And, 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 and to look into it, to see what he's saying. But, but we can also hear his voice speaking to us. Because he doesn't just speak to us through his word. He doesn't just provide light to us through his word. His spirit dwells within us and his spirit is always speaking to us. And let me just clue you in. His God's spirit is never going to say anything contrary to his word. So while you're taking time and you're looking for light in his word, understand the spirit of God is never going to say anything that is different than what's written there. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. And, and I know, I know that you are just like me. That when we talk about this, you kind of get frustrated with me because your expectation is that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you kind of like I'm speaking to you right now. That he's going to speak to you audibly. That it's going to be loud and that it's going to be very, very clear. Like that, that you're just like, you know what? I just want him to speak to me in a way that is a very, very clear sign. But more often, uh, he speaks quietly. And I'll tell you, as a result of the fact that he speaks quietly to our hearts, we oftentimes don't hear him because we're not listening. We haven't learned to quiet ourselves. Isaiah 30, verse 21, speaking about this, about the Spirit, says, Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Isaiah is prophesying about the day that the Spirit will lead us personally. So if you can't hear, it's possible that you haven't learned to be still and listen. Because listening requires quieting the noise of the world around us too. Not just being still ourselves, but it means turning off the television. It means turning off the apps, turning off the music. It means getting into a place where we can't be distracted. It means finding a time where we're not rushed and hurried. It means turning all the notifications of your phone off or even just powering that sucker down all the way, walking away from it. I know, I know the FOMO is real, that the fear of missing out is real and that you want that phone close to you at all times. But if you want to be able to hear, you're gonna have to make a choice to quiet the noise so that you can be still and hear what God has to say to you because the Holy Spirit is always speaking. And here's the good news. You don't have to go find him to hear him. That's, if there's not a quest you have to go on, learn to quiet yourself and you'll hear his voice speaking to you. 
Because the good news is he's already with us. The Bible, the word used for him is paraclete. The paraclete means a helper or counselor, that he comes alongside us. He is there to be with us and in us and support us. The Bible says that, that he dwells within us. So he's never, ever far away. Do you know that, that uh, before Jesus came and before he died, that God's spirit uh, used to dwell in the Holy of Holies? Um, that, that in the temple, there were, there were these three areas, this area called the outer court, the area called the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And inside the holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant, and God's spirit would rest on the Ark of the Covenant. And priests would go before the spirit of God uh, at certain times in the year, and they would offer a sacrifice. And, 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 but once Jesus came, um, the, that was no longer required. The, the priest didn't have to have to, to go through all these rites and these rituals and purify themselves in order to go before the spirit of God to hear him speak to them. In fact, when Jesus died, the moment he said it's finished and he gave up his spirit to God, the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom so that it couldn't be say that, said that any man did it. And the spirit was now able to dwell inside of us because of what Jesus did. Jesus' sacrifice made us clean, made us holy and righteous because we're now dressed in his righteousness. And because of that, the spirit could now dwell in the holy place, which is inside of us. And as a result of his indwelling inside of us, now we can hear him speak clearly to us. You know, a few months back, I was at a, a marriage conference and I was speaking there. My wife and I were, were, were talking about my journey through, through pornography addiction and what that looks like and how I've stayed free. And uh, it, was, it was a great experience and, and we really enjoyed it. And many of you were there and, and I'm thankful for that. But afterwards, um, there's people coming up to me and they were talking to me and saying, saying, thank you for this message. Thank you for your vulnerability. And this one guy came over that I, I didn't know and didn't recognize. And, and all he did was shake my hand and, and tell me, hey, thanks, thanks for being here today. It meant a lot to, to hear your story and, and to hear what God's done in your life. And and I, all I did was shake his hand. And I said, thank you so much. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And it was one of those things that like, I was like, all right, Lord, I hear you. And he, what he told me was, is he said, that guy's got a call on my life or on his life uh, to be in ministry, to pastor a church. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But I, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. And I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that I needed to go and tell him. And, uh, and, I, and I, I just couldn't shake that feeling. So, so hear me, when the Holy Spirit speaks, we have to learn to listen because if I hadn't learned to listen, I would not have heard his voice in that moment to, to go and to tell that guy, hey, God's got a caller in your life and to just unpack that with him. We have to learn to see what he's saying in his word and learn to listen if we're to live by the Spirit. Because honestly, it's easy to miss his voice. That's why it's, it's important that, hey, we pray every day. Hey, Lord, I want to hear your voice today. I want to hear your voice today. And the last step if we're going to live by the Spirit is that it requires me to follow. It requires us to see. It requires us to listen. And it requires us to follow. You know, we can read God's word all day long. We can even learn to quiet ourselves so that we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. None of it matters. And none of it will ever, ever come alive to us or produce life in us until we obey it. That's a choice we have to make. And if you're unwilling to obey, 
and to follow what the Holy Spirit has said, then I'm just going to tell you, you won't, you will never experience that all, all that God has for you. The beautiful thing about this is, is that God leaves the ball in our court to respond. And uh, James in uh, James chapter one, verse 22 has a very strong word for us. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Because a lot of us think because we come to church or because we read our Bibles, that's what makes us holy. That's what leads us to life. And that's not it at all. Jesus said, said, I'm coming to me, living a life with me, going on adventures with me. Well, that's what life is all about. And James is saying, don't just merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. These are strong words. He's saying, you know what? We have to take action in order to walk with the spirit. You know, I I understand that there are some people that that come to me and say, you know, Aaron, I I can't hear God. I I heard God at one point in time in my life. I feel lost and I don't know what to do. And I'm having trouble hearing his voice today. And one of the number one questions I'll ask him is, what's the last thing God told you to do? And they'll, they'll kind of struggle a little bit. They'll look down at the ground and they're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, the last thing you told me to do was, was this. Uh, And I, I just asked, did you do that? No, I, I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't deal with the sin. I didn't cut the relationship off. I didn't take the step. I didn't leave the job. I didn't give what he told me to give. I, 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 I didn't do that thing. And, and, and I'll just look at him and tell him, it, you know, it does no good for you to pray and ask to hear God's voice. And then when he speaks to you not to do it, it, it does no good for us to see what he has to say in his word and, and refuse to do anything about it. it. It doesn't do us any good. We have to take action in order to walk by the Spirit. So what I tell him in that moment is, go do what he told you to do. That thing that, that he put his finger on, go be obedient to that if you want to continue to hear his voice. Because God's not going to, he's not going to help, help you move on to the next thing. He's got his finger on that thing. So go do that thing. Be obedient to that thing. Back to my story about the, the marriage conference. Um, you know, I, I kept hearing the Spirit tell me that guy's got a call on his life. And, and I engaged in other conversations with other people, but it just kept gnawing at me. And I was, I was trying my best to ignore the Holy Spirit because I had this pastoral thing to do. I had people to talk to. I had people to love and to hear them tell me, thank you for being vulnerable. You did such an awesome job. I, had, I was a line of people waiting to talk to me. But I kept hearing the Holy Spirit speak to me. I'm just being honest with you. If you, I hope you can handle my honesty today. But I kept ignoring the Holy Spirit's leading to go and tell this guy, like, hey, God's got a call on your life. I didn't know him. And it just, I couldn't shake it. And so I excused myself from the conversation and from the people that were waiting to talk to me. And I went over to this guy and I said, listen, man, I, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I said, but when you came over and shook my hand, I said, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to tell you that, You've got a call on your life to the ministry. And the guy got emotional, kind of took a step back and just looked at me and, and he confirmed that he had been wrestling with following the Lord. He confirmed that he, that he had struggled to feel worthy of responding to God's call on his life. And so through the, through the rest of the conversation, he made a commitment to me that he was going to take steps to begin following that. And I've checked in on him and I'm, I'm so thankful to say that he is pursuing God's call on his life. But in that moment, I almost missed the Holy Spirit. I had to choose to go, to take action, to go up to this total stranger and tell him what the Holy Spirit had to say to me. And if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't done that, Maybe that guy would have continued to wrestle with his calling. 
Maybe, maybe there's a whole people group, there's a whole city, there's a community that God had intended for him to impact and make a difference in my planting a church. And maybe he would never go and do that unless I was obedient and went and told him what God had said to me. We all miss God from time to time. Just return to the last thing he told you to do. See, living the life with the spirit requires you to see, requires you to listen to what he's saying and to follow what he tells you to do. And if you do, you'll experience that which is better and you'll discover this and this is the most beautiful thing about living the life with the spirit is that you're never alone the spirit is always with you presence matters and i'm going to challenge you right here wherever you're at to either say out loud or type in the chat as we close out our service today and say i am never alone let's pray father today i pray that you would open our eyes uh, to see what you have to say about every area of our life in your word. Open our eyes to see, Lord. Help us right now, right now, to listen to your voice. In fact, I would just challenge you wherever you're at right now, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And take a moment and just listen. I just want to challenge you, whatever it is that God is speaking to you right now, be obedient to that. In fact, Father, give us the desire and the power to obey you, whatever you're speaking to us right now. For those of you that are here today, that you would say, you know what, Aaron, I, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I, I've never been filled with the Spirit. Well, let me tell you something. Being filled with the Spirit and learning to live a life with the Spirit begins the moment that you put your trust in Jesus. And so right now, right here, if you're ready to begin living a life, by the Spirit, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And everybody pray these words out loud. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. Help me to listen to your Spirit. And teach me to tell other people about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And the Bible says that today, as you're putting your trust in Jesus, that all of heaven is having a party right now, celebrating that you have turned your heart to him. Man, we as a church, we celebrate with you as well. You've made the best decision of your life. And right now I would encourage you that as our church is celebrating with you, here's your opportunity to make the second best decision. Take a step towards letting somebody know that you've made this decision. And we have an easy way for you to do that. If you'll click on the digital connect card that is either being shared in the chat or is in the, the video description or wherever you're listening to this or watching it. If you click on that digital connect card and fill it out completely, it sends us a notice that says, says hey man, I made, I made a commitment to Jesus today. I said yes. And if you did that, we're not gonna spam you. We're not gonna send you uh, a bunch of stuff in the mail and we're not gonna show up at your door and harass you. All we want to do is welcome you into this new spiritual family because that's that's what's just happened to you. That that the beauty is and the mystery is, is that God has done something in you. You've been adopted into a spiritual family and you aren't meant to do that alone. God has intended for you to be in life and in relationship with him by his spirit that now fills you up, but also for you to be in relationship with the church 
we would love to be here at church. And even if we, we don't have the opportunity to do that because you live in another state, uh, we would love to connect you with a church somewhere. If you need help doing that, get you a Bible and help you understand what your next spiritual uh, steps are in this journey. So fill out that digital connect card. That helps us know that you've made a commitment and uh, gives us an opportunity to celebrate with you. Also on those digital connect cards, man, if God is doing something in your life and you want to share that story with me, there's a place on that card for you uh, to share that with me. And those, those, uh, those cards come directly to me and uh, helps me know that God is moving in your life and I would love to celebrate that with you as well. Amen, everybody. So use those digital connect cards today. Uh, as we wrap up the service, I wanna give you an opportunity to give. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, you're under no obligation to give. We're just really, really glad that you're here today. Um, for those of you that have been walking with us and call this your church home, uh, for those of you that plan to give of your tithes and your offerings, there are digital ways to do that. Uh, you can give on our website, through our app. You can even text to give, sending any dollar amount or typing any dollar amount and sending to 84321. Uh, gets that process started, or you can mail it in. All that information is there on your screen. We're so thankful for your faithfulness. Uh, so thankful for all that you're giving and uh, the difference that you are making, uh, not only here in Reynoldsburg and in Columbus, but around the world. I uh, wanted to toss out one last invitation. I know we already talked about it in our announcements, but uh, tonight, if you're in the Columbus area, is uh, another session called Gloves Off, which is a conversation around racism and racial healing. We'd love to see you tonight at Franklin Park at 6 p.m. Uh, we are, are, are planning on getting into the mix again. And man, I'm going to tell you, the first one we did of this made such a difference. We learned so much about ourselves and how we can carry each other's burdens and deal with the subject of racism. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing seeing the church come together and be unified. We'd love for you to be part of that tonight, 6 p.m. Uh, at Franklin Park. Use the Broad Street entrance. It's easy to find us. Bring a lawn chair and uh, get ready to, uh, to do some work. God bless you guys. Love you so much. We'll see you back right here online next week.